Welcome to the Not Your Average My podcast, where four Hmong American women working to move our community forward one conversation at a time. So tune in every month with Liz, Mania, Monica, and Katie as we dive into politics, pop culture, and all things related to being Hmong American. Let's get it! Hey everyone, welcome back. It is April, we're start- and we're still in this pandemic, um, sadly. So in any case, we want to give a shout out to everyone who submitted a story last month for Women's History Month. Um, we are really grateful to everyone who shared their story. And it's really important, not just in March, but every day, you know, to recognize women, especially Hmong women and all the heroes in our lives in order to really help elevate our community um, and, and our voices. So kudos to everyone who submitted or who was nominated. You know, there was a lot of uh, positive um, reception from it. So that was really great. How's everyone else doing? We're since it's April and we're still in this pandemic. Surviving. Yeah, yes. I agree with that. I'm trying to stay positive. I know that all of us know somebody who's been really impacted by this pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, we have friends who and family members who are on the front lines who are essential workers. Yes. So just want to let you all know, our listeners, that we're thinking of you and that we'll get through this together. But, yes. you know, lean on us for support. If you need additional resources, reach out to family, friends to see how they're doing and to see how you can support them or to see how they can support you throughout this whole time as well. So for me, I'm trying to stay positive. Um my dad will Good. be getting furloughed pretty soon, so Aww. it's pretty stressful. And then my sister is also a nurse. Her floor has turned into like a COVID-19 patient floor, so it's stressful. I'm trying to stay positive and just trying to um, do my best to help people around me as much as possible. I feel for you. I'm sorry. I know. But we're sending you good vibes. And, you know, I, I think we can all, like you said, relate in one way or yeah. another since we yeah. all have someone who's been impacted. So, you know, again, to everyone who's like, listening. Let us know how we can be supportive, actually. Yeah, and, like, and maybe we can. Whether that's, yeah, stuff. you know, checking in more or just giving you a space. Um, we hope you and everyone else who's listening are, are just taking care of themselves first. And we did do a short coverage of, of COVID-19 in, in last month's episode. So check out our resources online. We're going to be continuing to update it. We have new resources that are, I, I think, developing day by day since everything is changing so much. Yeah. Uh, I'm putting so, together yeah. something. We'll put it on the website. Yeah, we'll um, put it on the website. I am working on a project with my mom to um, translate a lot of the resources to be in language. So, you know, like right now we have an explainer on, um, you know, like just trying to answer questions on like who will get the stimulus checks and also um translated some of the SBA loan stuff because we know that there are a lot of Hmong small business owners out there. And obviously, mm-hmm. like you have to fill out the applications in English, but like some people are just more comfortable in Hmong. And then today I discovered the Appleton Public Library put together a video on how to apply for unemployment benefits, right? So for our community that um, is typically illiterate, right? Like some of these audio visual things are much easier. So I'm just trying to compile all the resources and put it in one place where people can refer to. There's also something on housing. So yeah, we'll put that, I guess, on the COVID um, resources from our last episode also. If you haven't listened, take a, you know, take a gander at it. We actually released two episodes since we did one on Women's History Month and our coverage on COVID-19, the census and the presidential uh, candidates. So take a look. And, and again, we're sending our love and good vibes to everyone. And to sort of go off of that this month, we wanted to take a different take on our episode. We will be doing a AMA session or ask me anything session where we actually asked the public or all of you to submit questions to us and we would give you our honest and unfiltered responses. So I think it's gonna be really fun. And I think it should be educational and just fun and honest for our listeners. So why don't we dig in right away with our first question, if, if y'all are ready. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Let's get started. I yes. think I, I'm i just going to say they're Instagram users because we got it on Instagram. Suzili007 asked, which Hmong traditions are you currently practicing? Will you teach your kids, nieces, nephews, slash next kid generation about Hmong practices? Parentheses, you know, for example, like oneng, nopeyo, hupli, or fiying, et cetera. Lady. 
Dude, I was so impressed she wrote Fi Ying. I was like, dang. I know. I was like, <laughs> dude, I was like, wow. Like people know how to, you know, actually speak and read and write in Hmong. But I don't know how to explain Fi Ying to, to everyone in the public. So someone I also can... do not know that. Um, I think it's something that you do after like, I think three days or something or seven days after the person has passed. Um, no, but no, no, but you can also do feeing for a lot of things, right? Like, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, like oh, long magic for like stuff. I, I think I saw um, one of my friends on their Instagram story because her family just did or their family just did it. And they explained it something like in exchange for, you know, the health and wealth, healthy spirits. I think for the family, there's like a sac- sacrificial like lamb or goat or animal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mung yeah. magic. Like, okay, well. Anyways, for, for okay, I don't want to simplify it to just mom magic, but we'll- yeah, <laughs> true, true. I don't think, um, it, it's more complex than that. I'm yes, sure. yes, but, but annually, I think it's to protect the health and spirit of the family or the family members, or yeah, who for whatever reason you know, yes. whoever's passed or but it's also like not optional sometimes. Sometimes, if someone is sick, like yeah. and the seers look, it's like, oh, you have to do this. Because something happened, y'all messed up, and you have to do this now. You know, so it it goes both ways. Clearly, yes, we need more education on this. So if anyone <laughs> wants to correct us, feel free to. But going back I'm going to do question, some research. Ladies, so like, yes. yeah. What do you think? What are your responses? This is a hard question because I don't live with my parents and I haven't lived with them for probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I personally don't practice any Hmong traditions. However whatever my parents practice, I do practice when I go back home or when they need something for me or when there's like a huge event that I do go and support. So so it's a hard question because I don't, like on a day-to-day basis, I don't. But, but do they take your shirt to do like the Lushuna for the new year and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, they do. So I, you know, usually like send in a shirt. So you do or- that. So, so that's why, like, I feel like, you know, I practice what they practice on these special occasions, right? So, for example, one time last year when Lo um, Hoopley for my grandpa, since he's been really, really sick, I like, actually cut my a piece of my hair and then sent it home oh, to wow. them. Right? So then, like, so with that question, yes, I do certain things that my parents want me to do on these special occasions. Um, but, I, like, I don't know how to do that on a day-to-day basis or when I need to, right? Yeah. Well, I teach my kids, I don't know. First of all, we'll get to this question because I might or might not have kids. I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's okay. But then in terms of- That's why she said nieces and nephews. Yeah. I don't know. This is hard. I think that if I were to have a kid, I would like a blessing ceremony for for my kid, right? But besides that, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would practice any- else and that's not to say that like I don't appreciate the these traditions I, I see value in them however I don't know like I don't know if I will see value when I have a family like I think it just kind of depends on certain things well Katie as the only person with kids what have what you done do you think? or yeah what are you practicing right now actually I'm sort of like in the same boat as Manya because we've been gone for so long by ourselves that we like ourselves we haven't celebrated anything or we don't um, practice any like Hmong customs but when we are like back at home or when we or there are big events we do go help out and you know help out family whoever's doing one or things like that but like I honestly don't think me or my husband are like well educated enough in any of the customs to hold any ourselves so I mean I really don't know I mean like it's a good question. Now that we do have kids, what are we? What do we want to teach them, and what do we want to, you know, carry on? And I'm not really sure because we haven't really sat down to talk about it. It's sort of like whatever our parents are doing, we do that, and mm-hmm. then, um, you know. But like I said, I I don't think we have like enough knowledge, or nor have we spent enough time to learn any of those like traditional things ourselves. Like if you ask me to recite like any of the things they do for like Napiya and stuff like that, I would not be able to. But I'd have heard that there's resources on youtube now so yeah (laughs) for those that want to you can yeah so katie i mean you brought up a really good point in terms of you and your husband being on the same boat so you know tong he's he's a mong christian and for him he has no interest in carrying these mong practices traditions at all um so we've had conversations about 
about about this, right? Because to me, I'm like, well, if I go home or if we go home and my parents do something, then yes, we're going to help out. If they want to tie a string as a blessing on my kid's hand, then I'm going to let them. But for him, he feels very differently about that. So I think this is an ongoing conversation that we're still having in terms of what are mom practices that we want to continue or that we want to um, have in our marriage when that happens or when we do have a family, right? So it's an ongoing conversation. And it's hard because for him, like he's the only mom Christian in his family. For him, it's like, I don't want to practice any of this stuff because mm-hmm. for his own reasons. So, and then, and then for me, like I'm also not super like, mom like i'm gonna do all of these practices too so that's why it's hard so i'm like uh, i'm kind of indifferent <laughs> when i saw this question it brought me back to when i was in college growing up like i think i took the cue from my dad who i think sometimes like as a someone in the 1.5 generation was like really embarrassed to be mom because sometimes like you can't explain your customs to people right like why do you slaughter chickens? Like, why do you slaughter pigs? Like, it's, it's like a very uncomfortable thing. And like, I definitely used to always be like, pretty embarrassed too, right? Um, but I, I felt like really sad and embarrassed for myself and the choices that I had made in my life. When my freshman year, I think was first semester, our finals, and I was walking to take finals of all my classmates. And my Korean classmate was like, calling talking to her mom and granted she was one of the smartest people in our class but even though she was the smartest right like she was talking to her mom because her mom was like at the temple praying for her to do well on her finals and I was like wow like if if she's like why wouldn't you just like ask for like all the things right like you can study hard but like why wouldn't you believe in a religion that would just like help you with everything right like like it doesn't matter in the end, but like, if it, if it helps you, like, why would you be embarrassed about it? Right. And like, I was like, well, like even this girl who maybe doesn't seem confident, but seems confident to me is like, you know, modern and like, like hip and like very, you know, just looks like she can do everything on her own. And it's like very rational. Right. And intelligent. Like if she is still relying on her mom to go to temple and give her best wishes and stuff. Right. Like, why am I embarrassed to, um, you know, ask my my aunt to feeing for me, right? Or like to, you know, like tie strings for me or like to do spiritual things for me, right? And it made, really made me think about like what we decide is like, as, I guess, acceptable in like, you know, mainstream society and like the, what, the things that we decide to leave behind once we become like Hmong American or, or whatever, you know, so it really made me question that. Yes. Um, okay. So with that understanding, would you practice certain um, though? So here's, here's also another limitation. I was a really precocious child and I, so A, I wanted to be president of the United States. And so, and I know I once asked my mom, I was like, mom, what will happen if I become president and baby Oneng not? Like, will I have to come with like all my like security people and Oneng with you guys? Like, what is that? <laughs> Right? No, you would be the president. So you would not have, <laughs> you have like, time. You'd be like, bye. <laughs> but so, so, and therein lies the problem, right? Like, um, and this is something that even as as a college student too, like, I I wonder, like, who will carry on the traditions? My question was always like, will I find you know like shamans do this for me? Like, once all my grandpas and my uncles die, right? Mm-hmm. So. You know, like, I, I, I'm not sure. And, and like you said, Manya, like, you've lived away for so long. Like, I, I don't do the New Year thing, right? Like, I rely on my dad to do the New Year thing, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, it's hard because also our religion or is or our, our belief system is really patriarchal, right? So, like, for the New Year, like, you need your husband to all, like, the New Year stuff. Well, Sukana, right? And and all that. And so, like, if, if my partner is not Hmong, like, I don't I don't know if that's you something that I, mm-hmm. I get to do, yeah. right? Like, because... But like maybe you do call you all like ancestors, right? Like if you, if you as a woman like start doing these offerings, right? Because like there's a a young Hmong girl who did a YouTube video on this. Like she asked her mom to like um hubli um bejona, right? To like call the New Year and call the ancestors to come and eat. But you know like it's it's weird because I'm just like I don't know if I can do that myself or I can get other people to do that with me, right? Like. I think times are changing now. So my mom actually taught herself how to do it because my dad wouldn't oh, do it. Wow. So yeah. She, yeah, like she taught herself how to do it. And I'm like, more power to you. But then she's also, Dang. I think she, I think for her, these are more 
more um, cultural traditions than religion for her because she also believes in God and she also prays yeah. to God, right? So I think mm-hmm. that what I've learned from my mom is that spirituality and even learning from Tong, like spirituality is really important and you get yep. to define what that looks like for you. So yep. for some mom traditions, if that, if you don't feel comfortable with that or if you have certain reservations or whatever, then that is okay. I feel like you should be able to choose what what kind of spiritual spirituality you want to practice in your daily lives right even sure, if that's not what sure. all long folks are practicing that's, i don't know Mom, what about right. you that that is but the hammer on the nail mania i i echo that i think like 100 percent. and i think the most recent example of that is this whole the the whole like you know, guy March 30th and 31st, like not going <laughs> yes. outside because of Wait, the explain that for our listeners who so, might not know about March so 30th and 31st. I think this was the one time only where I feel like the whole Hmong community throughout the world was like united on this front. But apparently they were, you know, there were, uh, I guess, speculations or rumors or fortune tellers who said they would be like shamans not fortune tellers shamans and or but also just other people right who could who could you know foresee things um who made predictions or said that there would be an evil spirit or being that would be released onto the world on march 30th and 31st right so that no one should go outside and that if you want to protect yourself you have to do xyz from building this bamboo gate thing to put outside to, you know, carrying these little red triangle baggies, right, that we make to protect ourselves or to tie these strings that had like yellow, black, and white in them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know why yellow was a thing, but apparently for my family members, like yellow was one of the colors that we Wait, should have. really? I didn't get yeah. one of those. <laughs> I, I know we didn't get it, but I mean, like, in like on our lore family, right? Some of them were, you know, getting strings ready in case as like a third layer of protection. So, any case, I bring that up because I, being the you know millennial Hmong American super Americanized, I guess, girl that I am, was like, dude, this is getting out of hand. Like, this is crazy. And I thought it was just my family, but apparently, when all my girlfriends and I like talked about it, they were like, uh, is anyone else's family doing this too? And everyone was doing it. And it was just kind of crazy. But I realized, right, and, like, Liza took a step back and was like, well, you know, if it makes you feel better, like, by all means, do it, right? Because, like, my mom and my grandma and them were genuinely concerned for us and were like, don't go outside. Like, make sure you're protected, you know? And, and of course, it's because they have – they grew up different, right? They have different Mm -hmm. beliefs. And, you know, like I said, I may not believe in it, but I will always take their blessings and their – their you know, yeah. ways of protection, even if it is a little ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I think like you, Mania, like I think everyone should be able to pick and choose, even if that's not the most, you know, quote unquote correct way. But who's to say like believing in this stuff isn't just as ridiculous as like people going to church or people, mm-hmm. you know, like doing other things because it's like what you said. I think it's just more being spiritual than, than anything else. Yeah, and I – and I feel like, you know, for my parents' generation, I feel like my parents don't have a choice. They'll be like, oh, but you're just not all because you're right? So yeah. for my mom, sometimes I feel like she's more of a Christian, you know, because she reads the Bible, she prays to God, and she prays for all of us, you know, oh. even to do well on exams or when we ask her to pray, right? So I feel like for her, she feels like she doesn't have a choice to convert to something else, even if she wants to. Because she's Hmong. So for her, she feels like, no, I'm Hmong. So I will always have to believe in animism and practice these traditions. So for her, it's more of like, these are the cultural customs that she has to hold on to, right? But I feel like I'm also speaking from a place of privilege where I can pick and choose Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. I feel like will best match the spirituality that I want to practice in my life. Right. No, that's fair. Can I ask one last question before we move on? Mm -hmm. Sure. How do you want to be buried? And so like um, this, this is like a question that this was my existential question in, in, in college when I was like on a panel, because I think for Hmong folks, I think burial rites are super elaborate. And like as a perfectionist, like I would want things to be done correctly because you don't want to mess up in the afterlife. Um, so do you want a Hmong funeral or do you just want like a regular funeral that is not three plus days I don't know so I I this is something that I'm continuing to wrestle with because mm-hmm. I don't know 
I don't the fuck know because um, <laughs> apparently my cousin's like, well, you know, it's not about you. Like, it's about your family because like, I guess there are rumors that like some people who like went to church, their their parents' spirits come back and haunt them because they, they just did like the funeral of the church way and they didn't do it the Hmong way. And so like they could go to heaven or go be reincarnated or whatever, you know? And so that freaked me out when I heard that in college, high school, whatever. Um, but also, right, I think... I would do the burial rice for my parents, but this is going to be like a, a personal question that I have to work towards depending on what happens in the next 50, 60 years of my life. I can jump in on this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that for like my parents, I would bury them how they want to be. You know, if they want like a traditional Hmong funeral, then I will invest and do all that I can for them. But for me personally, I don't care. Cause I'm dead. Like it's like whatever's easiest for my family and what's easiest for that. Cause I don't believe in an afterlife or a reincarnation. I believe once you're dead, you're dead. And I think that's just your personal, you know, belief. And I'm like, yeah. I could care less what they do with my body. It's like whatever my kids or my family feels like what's best for them to grieve and get over it, mm-hmm. then they can do that. I know it's kind of dark, but I think no. that's no. What I, it is. I I appreciate your honesty yeah. because. You know, I think for our generation, sometimes people feel obligated to want to want or have a mom funeral for themselves. Just plant me in a tree, people, so that I can live forever. Yes, (laughs) I read about that. that. Yes, yeah. I mean, okay. I I don't know. I feel like (laughs) I don't know. Obviously, I I feel like death for me is really scary, and I've never like you know, I'm I'm afraid of death, so. Mm. I, I think like Katie, I'm just like, dude, do what will be easiest. So I might just be like, cremate me and be done with it, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah, because well, I think it's more so for whoever's left behind how they want to grieve and get over you. That's fair. Yeah. That's their process and whatever fits their need is whatever it's going to be. And I don't need anything crazy, expensive yeah. or any rituals or anything like that because – Man, once I'm going in the dirt or going in that fire, I'm done. It's like, yeah. Okay, well, next question. I think it's Baha, or it's P-A-J-J-H-A-A-A, asked, what are your thoughts about the word feminist slash feminism? Ooh, this should be a good quick one. Anyone want to go first, or should I Should I start? You start. Um, I think it's great. I, I don't know why anyone would be against it, because if you look at the real definition of feminism – it, according to Google, and I know it's more complex than, than this, but feminism is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes. So yeah, no one should have an issue with this, but of course I know people do, and it has been really politicized and you know, it's a loaded word now, but yeah, I am proud to be a feminist. I think everyone should be a feminist, men, women, trans, whatever, everyone. That Well, because we are all like women of color, like the other part to this, right, is that I think um, a couple of things like the word feminism, right, has has been loaded throughout American history, right? Like there That's was true. the whole movement to um, add the, the Equal Rights Amendment to the Constitution, right, which still I know now is in contention because all, enough states have ratified it. Um, but it, you know, some people kind of saw that as like a woman's, a white woman's rights yeah. movement, right? And so yeah, that's fair. White feminism, we can't forget that, right? Like, so I think we should also mentioned right for some people feminism or feminist like has that connotation and that's why we have intersectionality thanks Mm -hmm. to dr kimberly crenshaw so that's that would just be my addition to that but the and the other piece is that right like feminism means different things to different people that's Um, true i i I think i might have mentioned this on an earlier episode but like i used to think feminism was like a bad word and just like the way that i the stuff that i was exposed to growing up like i wasn't sure what it meant to be a feminist. And some people were like, oh, it's like a negative connotation. It's, you know, the feminazi and the, the, the women who are like crazy about like equal rights, right? And so... But no, I mean, I second Liz, you know, I think that feminists have had like a, such a negative you know, term over like just history and stuff like that. People always assume that you have to be angry or you have to be like this like change maker or this person who's marching all the time to be a feminist. Mm-hmm. You know, you could still be a feminist every day and just want change and, you know, yeah. equality. Yeah, snaps to that. All right. Well, folks, if you, if I mean, you're more than welcome to let us know what you think about the word feminist and feminism. So thanks, ladies, for your take. 
Uh, next question, Mama Beans asked, speak on the Hmong culture or Asian cultures in general and its history of anti-Black sentiments. What are some examples that have already been done to improve this issue? What can we move forward as allies or what? how can we move forward as allies for each other? Um, this is a loaded and really deep question that I think will require another episode, but just mm-hmm. real quick, if someone wants to touch on this. I think the most simple way is Yellow Peril supports Black Power, which Monica has yeah. a photo of or has a yeah. sign. We have a photo of Monica holding that sign. We'll put it up. Yeah, I think there is always more work and more progress to reach in terms of being in solidarity with other communities of color, including the Black community. Um, but that isn't to say that Asian Americans or Pacific Islanders haven't supported Black movements in the past. I do want mm-hmm. to note that there's you know, been a strong history of communities of color supporting each other to receive uh, civil rights, right? So I do want to acknowledge that um, and the partnerships that have been built. And, you know, with even with a lot of grassroots movements now, it's so diverse and that there's so much support uh, for each other. However, we do know that there is still, (laughs) there's still a lot of progress in terms of making sure that we're reducing and eliminating anti-Black sentiments within the Hmong community, within the Asian American Mm -hmm. Pacific Islander Mm -hmm. community. So in terms of like very specific examples, I feel like there's so much that we can talk about. So I kind of feel like this there there should be a whole episode dedicated to it. I completely agree. And I think this is something that we've been wanting to talk about and as of late, especially concerning everything that's been going on. So tune in in our future episodes, y'all. I think the larger yeah picture is just that we know that there can be solidarity. There is solidarity with, you know, the, the black community and other um, communities of color. And yes, there is still lots of anti-black sentiments and anti-black hate in, in um, all, all communities, ours included. So lots of work to be done. Next question. And they, hopefully they're a little lighter. <laughs> Why don't we do this question? Have you read any good books lately or what music is streaming on your phone right now, ladies? And I know there has to be a lot because we've been home. From <laughs> that so. is true. Um, for music, I'm just I'm just gonna because I work out in the morning. I've been listening to the '88 Rising playlist, so oh, representing wow. my Asian community. Kitty, can you explain what '88 Rising is? Yeah, go Kitty. '88 Rising. It's sort of it's like an Asian community where they feature um, Asian artists that are yep. up and coming, or some people yep. that are already been famous, but they didn't have anywhere to go. It's sort of like a BET before Asian or like you know yes. black entertainment network type deal thing and but it's for the Asian community they host concerts and stuff like that and I believe some of the founding founders were like they worked for like Vice and, and then they they were like you know we just need to feature more of our community and that's what they do they have artists from around the world actually so just not like uh, American born artists but like uh, they have like Korean rappers and Chinese rappers and just singers and they just feature them awesome yo so take a take a listen and follow them y'all i just want to put in a plug for other unnoticed api artists the other day the john hawkins asian acapella group music <laughs> dynasty put out one of the best covers of one of my oh favorite my God, James so songs. like obsessed with this group right now and i'm hoping they'll like get on spotify or something so i can listen to it on repeat but um we'll also add a link to that that's awesome. what i've been listening to i think I, I listen to a lot of music, so I'm going to do books because I just I was just telling the ladies that I just reflected in all the books that I read last year, and damn, I read a lot of books. Dude, y'all. you read so many books. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I, I don't know how I did it, but I think um, I just had a lot of time, and when me and Nick went on our first our earlier vacation earlier in the year, it really helped because we were just on a cruise. So we just read a lot um, and I continued it. But I will say, I think of the latest books that I've read, the last one I finished the just last month was This Is How You Lose Her by Juno Diaz. Really good book. Mm. Really short Oh, you read, read that. <laughs> yeah. Really good book. Really short read. Um, and then if, if, you know, folks do want to talk about race, right, or how to be good allies, really good. Also, like, I, I think it's like a, you would say like a one-on-one on race type of book, but really digestible. It's called So You Want to Talk About Race by um, Ijoma Ulu. She's a rock star and I highly recommend that read. And and yeah, I, I read a lot of other books recently, but 
those I think are the two I'd recommend. And of course that I read three memoirs last year by three really awesome, powerful mm-hmm. women, including Michelle Obama's and um, Justice Sonia Sotomayor's book, which thank you, Liz, Liz got for me. And then yeah, um, I stood in line for like an hour and a half to get that signed by her. Like, personally. yes, yes. So I really appreciate that. And then the other one I got was um, Valerie Jarrett's memoir, uh, Finding My Voice. And I think that was probably one of the most like inspiring ones. Like reading her memoir made me want to run for office. So, oh, wow. You know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have to get it yeah. done. It was a really good read. So those are my books. Such as. That's awesome. I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't read that much last year or I'm not reading that much. However, um, on my playlist, I've been listening to Janae Eichel's um, latest album. It's about heartbreak. Basically, it's kind of like a it's like a breakup (laughs) album, but I love her music. She puts so much thought into the sounds um, of her music. So and like I love listening to sad songs. I don't know I why. Know, why are you so sad? Yeah, like, I know. I it just helps me concentrate. Yeah. It helps me I'm concentrate. It helps me. It's so weird. Like when I'm in my deep, like my best con- concentration um, moods, I'm always listening to sad songs. So I I listen to. I her think album. that's okay. I think that's valid because <laughs> I think for me, you know, when I was younger, like listening to sad music really helped me process my emotions and really just mm. helped me get my emotions out. So I think that that's yeah, it's valid. Yeah. Um, next question. When are y'all having babies? <laughs> oh, girl. Oh, my God. Oh, my friend asked me this question. Joanna Luther. You could share what is your ideal wedding slash proposal? We could do both or to choose one of the two. Guys, I'm done having babies. I have three <laughs> and I'm happy. Are you so sure this question. This question is for the three of you. I say, don't you want another girl? Like, doesn't Madison need a sister? If you can go to, like, Target and pick it out, but since it's, like, a whole lottery thing, I'm not a gambler, so I'm good. Okay, so can we change this question for you to, like, how did you know that you were done having babies? Mm. Yeah. Like, how did you know that, like, three was a perfect number for you and that you don't want any more? Because I don't want to upgrade to the minivan. (laughs) (laughs) That is so good. No, true. But but no, but um, I think it's also because like right now I've spent so much time, um, that I've sacrificed. Not saying that it wasn't worth it, but for my family and for like you know my kids and for my husband, that now I want to focus myself and reestablish myself with a career. And I know that's not possible to hold, um, both of those in my life right now. So it's sort of like you know, and like as like my kids grow older, I do want. I mean, like when you hold a newborn, you always want to hold a newborn. You always want to have one but it's like all the work that you have to go through it and then like once you guys have like you know like labor pains and all of that you think about how scary that is again and then you know I'm getting older too so I'm sort of like ah, you know I just got to move on to the next part of my life not saying that like you know that I wouldn't want one but I just think I think we've come to terms to where like what best fits our lifestyle that's fair all right Liz Mania and I guess me your turn <laughs> Yeah, it's Hassan, uh, so I can go hold that newborn. <laughs> Liz, are you you want to go first? Sure. So as the eldest, obviously, like I raised my siblings. And like, I think that, I mean, I've always loved kids and, you know, all that. Obviously, sometimes like they're really difficult to deal with. But I think I do want kids. Uh, I am terrified that I will be a bad parent, but I don't. I mean, I don't know, like, I've always been a person who is very ambitious. And this is something that a lot of people tell me. And so like, I think it's it's, it's been a real, I don't know if awakening is the right word, but it's it's been like super real thinking, okay, like, there are all these things that I want to do. Um, but I also want to have a family like, you know, and, and I think that that's why for me, it's hard to figure out like, quote unquote, when I want things to happen. I currently have an IUD. Yay. Get your IUDs. Woo. Um, and I'm, I'm happy sharing that because like, I think for me like that, I guess in some ways it's like, there's an expiration date on them. And also it's a good way for me to like, know that I can make a decision on like when I want to have kids and when I don't want to, but it's, it's hard because I know like either I wait for the expiration date or I decide, okay, like I'm engaged, I'm married, like this is the time to have kids. Mm. But I, I don't know. It's it's a hard question for me because I 
just know estimate, Liz, just to. give us an estimate. No, that's not possible because I have so many things I want to do. I told you that's this. Okay. I was like, yeah. Right. Like, and it's okay. That's what, and I, I want people to know that, right? Like there's just a lot of things that I, I want to do. And so like, okay, that's I'm going to wait and I'm hoping that, um, medical advances will like hurry up and I'll be able to have kids when I'm like 40 and be okay. But I do know, right. There are a lot of amazing women who never have kids like Senator Maisie Hirono. Yeah, that's true. But but you want kids, right? I do. I just don't know where they fit in my timeline. (laughs) That's okay. That's fair. Mania? Um, So this question, I feel the same way about Liz and that it's really complicated. I am at a point where I I want one kid. However, it wasn't always like that. Like it was like, no, I don't want any kids at all. But I think I've come kind of far in how I feel about kids. Um, I love kids. I grew up raising kids. You know, I have 10 siblings. But I do think that my parents, because there are so many kids in the family, I think that kids – my, my perspective about, about kids was very one-sided and that people had kids to raise ki- more kids, right? Like, I feel like I didn't – my siblings and I didn't have an option in life to be happy when somebody was born. So I think that now that I'm a little bit older, like, I'm starting to appreciate the birth of babies and how much of a blessing they are. But growing up, it wasn't always that way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is kind of embarrassing to say that, right? Like, how can you not be happy when a kid is born? But when you grew up so poor and your parents kept having kids for you to raise them, like, it it, it gave you this per- one perspective about kids. So to wrap that up, yes, I think I want a kid. But only one and I've talked to my partner about that like I'm not having more than one kid like I'm sorry if you want kids or like more than one kid then maybe I'm not the person that you should be with so I I feel like I've been very Mm -hmm. transparent about that in the beginning like I might not want kids but if I do it's only one kid and if I'm not that person that you should be with somebody else right so for me like that's something that I'm not going to compromise on but I'm thinking that when I do decide to have a kid, maybe I'm, I don't know, over 35. Like, I, I feel like mm-hmm. with Liz, there are so many things that I still want to accomplish. <laughs> and I don't want yeah. to give up my career because I've worked so yeah. hard towards that. So yeah. I'm thinking, like, maybe 35 when I <laughs> have made a little bit more money. I don't know. Or saved more. I don't know. Kids are no, expensive. that's – thank you for sharing. <laughs> like, thank you so much for sharing. Like, I think that is so true. Um, I know we want to wrap this up and not have it be so serious, but like, I remember, you know, being in middle school and having like, um, honestly, like white friends whose parents were like 50 and 60. Right. And like, they were established, had nice houses and stuff. And like one friend was like, yeah, like my parents purposely like did not have kids until they bought a house. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and until like they were established. And I think unfortunately, right. Like a lot for a lot of our parents, they just didn't have that choice. Right. Or or, Mm -hmm. like. There are different things weighing because they're refugee kids. And then also, right, like there's that pressure to get married quickly and have kids. And it always, yeah, like it, it was always something that I, I had to think about too, right? Because we were that age when, you know, we could get pregnant. And it was just really scary. So thank you for sharing and articulating that because yeah. I definitely felt that too. What about awesome. you, Monica? I think I will have children probably likely after like 31, 32. Um, it depends on Dang, when. Dang, that's my age. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I said after that. It depends on, yeah, when we are stable, have a job, you know, and yeah, can provide because I think like like y'all, you know, we want to be able to provide the best that we can for our kids. Obviously, I don't want to wait too long either. I honestly don't want to be 40 when I have kids because I feel like that is hella late, you know. Obviously, it's doable. But, you know, I think for me personally, it's just not ideal. Mm-hmm. So um, next question, ladies, all of you moved away from family. What sparked that decision? And how has being away from family shaped you or made you who you are? I think that's really important because we've all done it. And I don't think too many Hmong girls get to do that or too many Hmong women get to do that. So, um, yeah, why don't we dive into that question? I guess I can start because I'm the one that moved away first in our family. But I actually – well, I technically in our nuclear family. But Katie, though, should also ch- chime in because she, she in our extended, extended yeah. family, was the first to move away. And she moved so far away. Um, so I don't know, Katie, no, if you want to yes. say anything first. 
Um, I just wanted to get away from everybody. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, I moved away because I decided to actually get married early at 18. And I know that was like, so like, not what you're supposed to do as being a progressive, like new Hmong woman, new generation type thing. But that's something that I, I knew that I wanted in my life to fit my lifestyle. Um, and then I married my husband who was serving in the military at that time. So we moved away to Hawaii and actually I, um, he was on deployment when I moved out there. So I actually moved out there to be by myself for a while until he came home. And that was definitely interesting and different. I mean, to be in a whole different space, um, not just like, you know, it's still part of the United States, but it's like a whole ocean apart. And so it felt like really different. And if you've ever been to Hawaii, you know that it's like completely different from like any of the continental U.S. It's like it's its own little place. And, you know, it was interesting because I I moved in and then um, I stayed with one of like another girl. She was like her husband and my husband served together. So I stayed with her until I got my own place for a little bit. And, you know, I mean, it was a wake up call, definitely being an adult at 18 when you had to figure out how to get to the grocery store without a car or, you know, how to do all of that stuff. And then even when he came home, we were still like young and he had money. But I mean, it was like the first couple of days when we were back, we had just moved into our first apartment together with like nothing. Mm -hmm. And we walked to like the grocery stores and like walked back with grocery and stuff. And we took like a taxi out to like Honolulu to get like a TV. I mean, it was like really, this is how it feels like to be on your own because we were on our own because we knew we couldn't rely on our parents and we couldn't call home to ask for money mm-hmm. or things like that yeah. you know these are things that like we um decided we were old and grown enough to make so we lived with our consequences and it was a good experience and um it definitely made me who i am because everything we've earned we earned for ourselves and everything we have we have because we worked for it and then yeah. it definitely made me appreciate my family more when we did come home it's like oh man you know when mom and dad used to do that for you and now you're doing it on your own and made us, I think, stronger and better individuals and together too. Thanks, Katie. I, I think we can all sort of relate to those sentiments. Um, Absolutely. Being, being folks who 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 did all move away. But Manya, do you want to share? Lisa, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. So I was always really fortunate. Um, I got to fly in an airplane I think when I was a freshman in high school so like my first trip was to Washington DC which is where I am now and I've always kind of like I don't know had a connection that was gonna be my story oh really (laughs) no go ahead (laughs) see then this is this is why we're friends um no because uh I've I've always felt like, no offense, I love Minnesota, but like, you know, I've always felt like I needed to leave home because of like all of the familial obligations and also, right, like I just didn't feel like my thoughts, contributions were respected, right? Like growing up, I was rebellious slash like feminist trying to get equal treatment from my parents, et cetera, and whatever, and also from my extended family, right? So I, I always knew I wanted to leave home. Um, I purposefully did not apply to schools in-state. I know that hurt my mom's feelings a lot because she thought I would. And I did apply. I mean, I, to the U of M is a safety school. No offense, U of M. Love you. Right? But like... Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I knew that I wanted to leave home and I knew that I could and I knew that college was like the way, right? And I just, I left for the East Coast and never went back. Um, and like Katie said, definitely really hard, right? Like definitely took the bus to the mall um, when I was in college and really had to create everything by myself. I know my mom wanted to get me when I was like, mom, think about me moving to DC as if me getting married just without a husband. Wow. Because <laughs> I was like, mom, you have to pick your things for me. I would just me. say that like, to her. No, because I needed a blanket and dishes and stuff. So, I mean, because like. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so specific no. though. Right? Because she was like, I'm really upset. I thought you would graduate from college and come back and live with us. But I was just like, just think of it as me getting married and moving away, except without a husband. (laughs) Right? You can still give me everything. I just don't need a man. Mm, That's true. So, yeah. Um, so I was going to say, so similar to Liz, I always wanted to move away from home because... 
I okay, so I felt like moving away from home was going to be my escape and college was gonna be that escape. So I was like, I am not gonna stay in Sacramento for college. Thankfully, I got into schools that were outside of Sacramento. Um, so I went to Berkeley, but it, it was also close enough to home where I could come home, you know, once a month or so. Um, and then in terms of coming to DC, so like Liz, I came out to DC when I was a junior in high school for the student leaders program through Bank of America. And that was my first time actually being introduced to, um, to politics. So when I was an undergrad at Berkeley, I saw this um, UC Berkeley Washington program and I'm like, I'm going to apply for it when I'm a fourth year or whatever. Right. So I saw that when I was a second year in college and I was like, man, I'm not qualified enough. Like I really want to go, but I don't think I'm qualified enough. So when I was a fourth year, I was like, you know what? That's my only chance to get into politics, to do policy work, to go to DC. So I stayed a fifth year to actually apply for the program or to get into the program. Um, I didn't like, I didn't tell my parents that I'm going to go to DC, honestly, for them, it was like, if you're making money and you're financially stable, then I don't really need to know where you are. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I always felt with my parents. And I also felt like I couldn't go back home to depend on my parents. I saw some of my friends who went to Berkeley with me or who graduated, who went home and it was challenging, right? Because you're going home, you're living with your parents. It's, it's a different lifestyle. Um, yeah. So for me, like I knew that I going home was never an option, but it was also because I wanted to be financially stable first before I go home and support my parents. So that was the main reason, you know, as to why I continue to stay um, away from home. And what did I learn? I don't know. You just learn to really def redefine the life that you want for yourself. And I that's why I feel like I always encourage young people to move away from home, to move away from their hometown or family so that they get to develop that lifestyle that they want for themselves and to really learn about who you are and to be able to pursue your dreams, right? I feel like sometimes when you live with yes. family, what people want for you, like you feel like you have to live up to their dreams, right? So I think that having clarity and eliminating the noise away from family sometimes will really help you shape the dreams that you want to go after. So I always encourage young people to move away from home. Yes, snaps to that, Minya. And I, I, I echo, you know, all of y'all. And, and also like y'all, my first time moving away from home was also going to DC. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. Um, and I was really <laughs> lucky because, you know, obviously Liz being the older sister got to do it. And then, you know, our brother went out and then, you know, I felt like for that time period, I had to really help my parents and my younger siblings because I felt like there was no one else left. And then, you know, post post graduation, like it was senior year. Um, I had also like recently gotten out of my you know, long-term relationship. And I was just kind of done, but I think it was mostly just, you know, combination of the breakup and like wanting more and just wanting to start over. Mm -hmm. um, so I was lucky Liz was already in DC, moved there. Um, I applied for OCA's internship program. That's how I got to DC. I was accepted. And then after the internship program, you know, I didn't really have a plan. Luckily, I was hired by OCA and then, um, you know, just stayed ever since. Got to know you, Manya, and everyone else. Was, mm -hmm. you know, really grateful for all the relationships I built and, you know, made me, yeah, really conscious about spending because I was on a limited income, obviously, and had to start paying rent because I didn't pay rent throughout college since I lived at home. And, you know, I was lucky enough that my parents had the means to yeah provide for us. But, yeah, it, I think it made me definitely just – when I reflect on my time at OCA, you know, and in DC, it, it changed me in the sense that like I became more confident and just less passive or less willing to take bullshit from people. Cause I think prior to DC and throughout high school, college and my like just years before that, I was always really nice and always patient and always willing to be the mediator. So I think being in DC really changed that part of me. And I, I became really unapologetic and it's just like, you know, I give no fucks about what you think. And, <laughs> so you're not um, Minnesota nice anymore? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Like, I think I still am. So like, like, I think I still am nice in the sense that, like, you know, I will hold my patience and my respect for people who deserve it. But for anyone who tests me or tries to come at me, like, I, I do not give a fuck anymore. I love you know? that. And, Dang, watch and out, I think world. That's the one thing that, like, I really do appreciate about DC and or just about me moving away because I don't think I would have gotten that if I had stayed in Minnesota, but I will be honest and I will say like 
I would have been okay if I did stay in Minnesota because I had no plans to leave, right? Like I didn't know, you know, it's like what they say, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know I could leave or I didn't know I could have other opportunities until like Liz and left, right? Or until Sam left. And then because I would have been happy in Minnesota. You know, I had great Mm -hmm. friends. I went to the U of M. I had great internships there. I could have, you know, I had a target job offer when I got accepted into OCA's internship program, right? Like I could have stayed and I could have had like the salary job that I was hoping for, but I didn't. So, Mm -hmm. but, and then I will say moving to California, I think was really when I like felt really on my own Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't have anyone and I was living with Nick but also like not with him. Mm-hmm. So. Next question, ladies. What keeps you motivated? I can jump in. Yeah. I mean, my motivation is definitely my family because, you know, I have kids and a husband. So Aww. I do all that I do for them and I keep going because I have to because otherwise we'll be like homeless or we won't have any food and stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. sort of like even if I want to give up, I can't because it's I have real. life depending on me. It's true. So it's like yeah. that is my motivation is just to keep going because I have to and I have them to push me. So I think similar to Katie for me, um, obviously I don't have children of my own, but – um, being a really like, I guess, I don't know what the word is. Like, I don't know if it's, you know, that like child of immigrant, like guilt or like that, like child of refugee, like I have to do this for my family and parents feeling, but yeah, I would say a lot of like my motivation is driven from my parents and my family, right. Thinking of all the like energy and sacrifices that they've done for us to provide us with the opportunities that they never had. That's one, I think outlet of motivation or or just you know when I am in like really tough times and you got to think about what like your why right like everyone always Mm -hmm. asks what's your why and like why you do this why you do the things you do that's what I think is my main driver in terms of personal stuff and like aspirations and or career wise or like you know my journey to being like more fit um I think really you got to like dig deep and you know, motivation can come from many, many different things, right? Like when I was on my fitness journey, a lot of that was just, you know, not like feeling good in my body and then also like following along and being fit with other friends. So that helped me stay motivated, mm-hmm. right? That external like pressure, but also validation. I, I hate to say it that way, but it, it really, you know, it really did help, right? Like you could actually see progress. And then I think just for like my personal and professional achievements, I think just wanting to be and do better because I was afforded these opportunities and knowing that people, other people don't have the same chances that I did. And I think that's what keeps me going. And just knowing that I know I deserve better. I think Mm -hmm. that's the, and I think Brene Brown and other people talk about this, right? Just knowing your value, right? And knowing you deserve Mm -hmm. better. Like, I think that's what keeps me motivated. Like, I deserve more, or like, I know there are more things in life. I think that's one of the other drivers for my. Okay. So, my answer, I think it can be superficial or deep, depending on how you take it. So, I I would say. What keeps me motivated is money. I, I yes. feel like there's there's like a deep part to it where it's like my my traumatic relationship with money, right? And growing up really poor. So for me, like I my biggest fear in life is being poor. Even though I'm I'm not no longer poor, or even though I'm at a really good financial place in my life, like that's still my number one fear in life. You know, to be poor. Um, so I feel like that's. Growing up, that was always like the biggest motivator in my life, like to not be poor, to make enough money so that I can take care of my family so that I can be financially stable and do all of the things that I wanted to do. So um, on like kind of of the superficial level, like I want to travel, like I I want to take my parents places and I want to take my little sisters, you know, to see the world. So a part of me is like, yeah, like money, I, I guess when some people look at it, oh, it's so superficial, but on an other side, it's like, when you didn't have a lot, like it, it means a lot. Mm-hmm. So for me, like what keeps me motivated in life is to continue to be financially stable and to also provide these opportunities for my siblings and for those who don't have that. And even growing up, like I always see, I always saw funding and money as the biggest issue to programs being sustainable or programs being able to provide more resources and opportunities. So for me, like I see my way of giving back through um, supporting different nonprofits, right? So I would say like money was the biggest motivator for me and to to this day it still is. I know that sounds really 
strange, no. but you know, I don't it's- think so. <laughs> Thank you, Manya. And you know what? I'm just gonna chime in real quick and add. I don't think anyone should ever have to apologize or feel bad for wanting to earn more, I know. Or to have more money, it's especially so as women yeah. and especially yeah. as women of color. Right? Like we should be yes paid what we deserve and we should be okay like it should be normal and okay for us to want more in life especially if yeah. it means more money so yeah absolutely more I know. not more weird at all women, you know? i know and it's so weird deserve- yeah yeah no i really appreciate that because i think that how people perceive me has always been like oh she's so competitive with herself and that she's so Mm -hmm. like she always so she's always so focused on money and sometimes I really saw that as a bad thing about myself like but at the end of the day why is that a bad thing that I want to be financially stable when I wasn't growing up right but yeah I I feel like at certain times at certain times in my life I was made like I did feel ashamed of you having that as a motivator um, for some reason, but whatever. Like I, I feel like I'm in a good spot to be like, yeah, like I am owning up to it. Like that, that's what motivates me because it's gonna be the platform where I can do what I want to do in my life or live the life that I want. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. They would never say that shit to men for wanting more money. So you know what? I think. Yes. More power so to true. Us, more power to women. So true, Liz. I think similar to everyone, there's like lighthearted motivations and then deep motivations. Um, Some lighthearted motivations, I know that usually after a breakup, I look much hotter because I'm motivated to like (laughs) work out. Like I look great. I take care of myself. Like I usually buy gym memberships after a breakup. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, but like seriously. Okay. I, I mean, just trust me on this, right? Like it's, it's a whole thing. So, I mean, and, and yeah, like, I I think it's a little superficial, but like, you know, it's also for me, like, I know it's, it's, it's also got a health benefit, right? Because like, there is um, like heart disease on like both sides of my family and stuff. And so like a lot of that, like, I I know it's, it helps me look nice, but also like great for my heart. Uh, I think what I really like about you, Mania, is that like, I've always thought you were like unabashedly going towards your goal of making more money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as I've become more of an adult, like I've started to realize that like my relationship with money is um, maybe like unhealthy, but also like I have to be more honest with myself about my relationship with money. And, and this is something that I, I struggle with a lot. And I think this is something that a lot of like uh, first and second generation mm-hmm. um, kids like struggle with a lot, right? Because like the question is like, why do you like work so hard to be good in school, right? Like the question is like, what is what is the goal at the end? And I think for me, like, I have never been able to articulate that, right? Like, I think the weird thing about my family is that, like, we are very public service oriented. And I like even growing up, right? Like, I know, like, my grandpa or like, my parents will always be like, oh, money is the root of all evil, you know, like, da da da, right? Like, and so like, we were taught that. And so like, for me, even though like, I, I was like, very good at school and really ambitious, like, it, it never connected that like, I was going to go to college, graduate, and then like do something else with my life, right? And I think a part of a hard thing of that is also like, we didn't have a lot of role models, right? Maybe except for my dad, who then like, you know, like worked at a nonprofit and, and now works in government, right? But so I, I think I'm now only in starting to figure out, oh, okay, like, I need to save up for my retirement, right? Like, this is my motivation, like, I have to, I have to make sure that I have enough for myself and enough for my parents, right? Because they didn't have the luxury to like, save up money for themselves because they were also trying to raise us and like grow up at the same time and so personally right it's like making sure that I can take care of myself and my parents because I, mm-hmm. I don't know what they have for themselves right and especially because of the economy now right they will probably retire um, in 20 years maybe if they can last that long in the workforce right but like you know who knows so there's a little bit of that but like I'm big picture wise right also um, I don't have kids but I love my nieces and nephews and my little cousins, right? And so, you know, I always am thinking about them when we think about, like, a lot of our policy decisions and when we think Mm -hmm. about, or when I think about, like, inequities and the systems and, like, how we get assistance to, like, people on a local level. So there's a little bit of that. And then I obviously also, like, was raised by my grandma. And so, you know, I care a lot about, like, senior programs and stuff. So, you know, like sometimes there are really long nights in the office, but I'm like, ugh, I know this is helping, like, you know, some really nice yeah. old person, right? So that's that's that for me. 
All right, ladies. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, I hope our listeners learned a little bit more about us today. <laughs> and I think y'all did. Um, hopefully we, you don't think we're all weirdos. Yeah, we're all yeah. honest and as unfiltered as we could have been. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, tune in on our next episode. I don't know right now what we'll be covering, um, but I think we it's may so it's going to be um you know a a apa heritage month um so we'll likely talk about you know what it means to be asian american what apa means to us and probably talk about yeah a little bit more about those asian representation issues that we've we've seen lately and especially in regards to (coughs) andrew yang um so yeah let's we'll 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 answer the question about brenda's song yeah that too so thanks everyone hope we're all safe and well take care stay safe and uh, again follow us um, on our social media channels and refer to our website for our resources Um, there's a lot of materials on there that um, will be readily available for Hmong speaking folks um, English speaking folks and and, um, everyone else thanks thanks everyone bye thanks folks bye bye